Harry. Harry. Um, can you hear he's me? in the room. Harry, are you yeah. right? Sometimes it unmutes. Sometimes it takes me off mute automatically, and sometimes it prefers you. You're looking very, um, shall we say, um, cosy there. Yeah. With the ambiance. It is really cosy. Look, it's the fire's lit. Oh, look at that. It's the size of a small bungalow. <laughs> Rory's in front of it, as he always oh, is. Look at Rory in front of that fire. He is... He is just like a massive beached whale, that dog. <laughs> he needs returning, returning into the sea. Uh, mate, we have got, I'll tell you what, for people who are joining us, welcome everyone. We have got someone cracking coming on today. Really good friend of mine. He's called uh, Anthony Grigg. Very distinctive. If you call him Tony, he will not be happy. All right, I've known him for 30 years. I joined the job with him and he just happens to be an identical twin who joined the police at the very same time. So you can imagine the amount of fun we had and he had. So, <laughs> so it's good. And he's custody sergeant. He was as well. He retired pretty much the same time as me for obvious reasons. Um, but he's back in doing stuff now. So he's a, a lovely character and I think we'll enjoy him. But how's it, how have you been up to now, Dave? What about this week? How's it been for you? Wow. It's been, as ever, it's been a, bit, a busy week. <laughs> Anything, anything other than that in the Wardell household would just be weird. So, right, I've got, I've had to write a list. It's been so crazy. Whoa! First of all, I do want to send a shout out to um, Police Dog Stark and his handler uh, Hot PC Hopley from West yeah. Midlands Police, who uh, last night, whilst trying to detain some suspected burglars, I believe. Uh, yeah. PD police dog Stark was attacked with a machete at oh. four o'clock this morning. Um, I don't have any real updates on his condition other than that apparently they're both doing fine. He had to have emergency surgery thanks to the PDSA for their um, uh, that you know being there for for uh, for PD Stark. Um, so yeah, that was four o'clock this morning. So there will be. Oh, some that's day. horrendous! So it's PD Stark, and what force is yeah. that in? West Midlands. West Midlands. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that one, and often because that is just as you well know, Dave. That is just as horrendous for the the yeah. owner, uh, the yeah. owner, the the handler. Yeah, um, that's devastating. But uh, he did his job. He, you know, PD Stark. Apparently, uh, he <clears> was absolutely incredible. So thoughts are with them. It certainly uh, well, takes their attention. And while they're taking the attention from the dog that is very quick and able to manipulate him around very quickly, um, it takes the attention off hitting people with that machete as well. But um, yeah, it is. I know any dog handler would not send their dog into a pointless task either. You know, I mean, it's got to be achievable, isn't it? I think, Dave. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thoughts are with them for sure, and it, when, as soon as we get any updates, we will of course let you know. Um, yeah. So what else we've we been up to? So our oh, amazing news today: uh, Derbyshire Constabulary and their amazing Chief Constable Rachel Swan. Yeah. Uh, have um, picked the Thin Blue Poor as their charity of. Uh, 2021 and the rest of 2020, of course. So that's incredible news. So brilliant stuff. Yeah, that is brilliant stuff. Some very exciting stuff involving them and their wonderful police dogs. Um, soon. So yeah, that's really exciting news. That uh, is fantastic stuff, Hazel. You mentioned there. This is the trouble you see. The problem is, is getting basically what you're saying. Should the 16 year old be held responsible for the actual? Machete, it should be up to the parents. And what are the parents doing? I mean, that is a societal thing, isn't it? It's a nightmare. And the trouble is, is how do you enforce someone, and not particularly this incident, but any situation where a juvenile gets into trouble and does horrible things? Um, how do you get the parents to pay when perhaps they haven't got any money or they decide not to? Do they go to prison? What happens to the juvenile? You know, it, it's just sometimes it's just so complicated. Does it's too, too difficult to do draw sometimes, I'm afraid. Um, but there are loads of people on saying hello and all that. Um, so, yeah, welcome. I, I just got really soggy. Um, Arthur, I stuck him in a little jacket and we went around the woods and 
I realised my jacket isn't as waterproof as it used to be. But you know. <laughs> well, I've been out dog training all, um, all morning with a lovely Great Dane. She's she's beautiful, bless her. She's ten months old. She's absolutely massive, and she just needs uh, her and her own help stuff. So we've been out in the rain all morning doing that. So that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, oh, and, Good. One more, thing, one more thing for me. We've got a dog training Q and A. Um, happening on uh, our dog training channel on Facebook soon so look out for adverts for that and um, you can join in with that but that's about it from us it's been a busy week though yeah thank you somebody said my mic's too loud Dave's too quiet I'll turn mine down I don't think um, this software does change the mics automatically certainly for mine so Dave you seem pretty clear to me but I've just shut my mic away a little bit because uh, yeah um did i put any dubbing on it i put dubbing on my boots mick not my jacket it'd get a bit sticky with that wouldn't it mate um get what you start wax and stuff like that to reproof it <sighs> yeah i'll get a new jacket oh one more, no, thing. It, one yeah. more thing sorry so the monthly uh platform for donations for thin blue paw has gone live so you can get on there now and you can donate monthly from as little as £2 a month all the way up to, well, hundreds or thousands of oh. pounds a month if you're feeling that generous. Um, but we've had, yeah, lots of people signing up for sort of 10, mm. uh, £20 a month. So once that's set up, you can sort of forget about it, knowing, uh, feeling all cosy inside that you're supporting retired police dogs. Um, but yeah. yeah, absolutely it. There you go. That is Thimbley Poor, and you can buy these. Um, to raise money as well. They're lovely coins, actually. Um, they're just really good quality. Um, they're better. In the old days, you know, when you used to go around police stations, all right, you used to get these shields that went on the wall in the hallway. And yeah, like, yeah. And then you'd look for the most warry shield. And, um, and uh, but now the, the, the coins, I think, are so good. They're so much better. Oh, they're they're quite cheap. You, you went to America, didn't you, where that, the challenge coin is a, is a really big thing. Yeah. And, uh, we, we would like it to become big over here because it's a great way to raise awareness and, and to raise money. So, I, I, obviously, I won't be forgiven if I don't do this. Oh, nearly threw you on the floor. Hang on. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? There he is. I'm going to be 50% louder than you, Dave. That's not right. good. I'm just going to speak more quietly. My microphone is over there. I can't okay. get the camera to work, Ben. Why won't the camera work? There we go. There he is. There he is. There he is. Oh, he yeah. is the most handsome dog. He is a handsome dog. And he's got a little shadow of ears behind him as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's the other Herbert over there. Yeah. Maxi, mm. Finn. So, does, he, does he still enjoy paddling in all the water, mate? Hey, Finn? Yeah. Yeah, mate, he, he, he can't get enough of it. He's um he's doing really well at the moment. He's having lots of physio and hydro and lots of little exercises to do at home to keep his uh, his muscles nice and strong to stave off the arthritis. So, yeah, he's doing, touch wood, he's doing really well at the moment. Good. Right, I think it's about time. I think it's about time to welcome... In a while. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've got a few lined up coming up, actually. Um, and... Uh... This is a really good suggestion. Do you know what actually um, tipped me off about him? Because I can tell him while he's still hidden, is that he sent me a, a he, his his Facebook thing got hacked, and he sent one of these things saying, "Come and open this and let me infiltrate all your file." And uh, so I said, "Mate, I can't." So being a really good copper, I tried to open it, and uh, I couldn't. And I wasn't going to go further down the line that they wanted you to do. So I just contacted him, and he went, "Sorry, mate, I've been hacked. I've been hacked." I went, "Oh, good." What are you doing on Saturday? <laughs> and here he is. This is Anthony Grigg. I'm going to bring you straight on, mate. Welcome. Lovely to see you, my friend. How are you? I joined. I joined the job. I'm just going to get rid of my banner because that gets rid of it. Um, I joined the job when uh, 30 years ago, obviously, with Tony. Uh, Anthony, I called you Tony. Stop it. Uh, yes, For 30 leave. years, I've tried to stop him calling it. It's... 30 years, mate. Been called a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. that's better. Look, that's good. How are you, Anthony? Yeah, You're, you, you have always been, as I am Cornish, but I was born and brought up in Newquay, which is a sort of a bit of everywhere put into one county. And 
people would say, oh, where do you come from? And I'd say, I'm Cornish, can't you tell by my accent? But you have got a Cornish accent. I mean, you're my boy. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Gets worse when I'm down the rugby club drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> this is it and you love i mean you are so uh cornish through and through and i you know made it over the tamar to devon because i just didn't want to travel so far to the big cities like and all that and um i sort of ended up over this way um and cornwall is absolutely stunningly beautiful it's just getting in and out which is the reason why it's stunningly beautiful isn't it yep. so Tell me, how you tell everyone, how did we meet then, Anthony? Well, Do you well, remember um, all those years ago? Yeah. Um, well, the first time we met was the uh, 29th of April, 1990, because that was the Sunday night. So, so when we all... Sod. He is a sod. He's like this. You, mate, you're I'm autistic as... or something, because you know all this stuff. I'm not as bad as Philip. Philip's even worse than I am. Philip's my identical twin brother, who also okay. happens to be a retired police sergeant. Um... Yeah, so we, we joined up on so the Sunday night when we all went up and uh, got deposited by um, family, friends, etc. Um, yeah. And then started off on the uh, Monday morning. And the most vivid, the vivid memory I've got of that Monday morning was all sat in a, um, uh, was all sat in the, um, the, the classroom downstairs in Cape Course, there by the stairs, by the library. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore because the course is all changed. Um, and uh, uh, Al Knight was sat there. And yeah. um, Al had that. this. Had, I'm pretty sure it was a green jumper on with this huge knitted head of a uh, uh, shepherd on the front. Ah, cool. And so it was a case of, I wonder what he wants to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, he did, and he ended up being the, uh, the force um, dog sergeant. But uh, ah. yeah, so all, all of us were sat there. I think it was, was it 16 of us that joined together? Don't ask so, me, I can hardly remember my own name most of the time. You know, I completely, hey. but honestly, I'd have made a terrible copper. I just don't ask me what I have for breakfast, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then, so yes. Yeah, so, um, and there was like, I mean, we were the, the, there was, there was four of us who were like the babies. So there was, there was, there was you, Stu, Kevin. Uh, Mo Ricketts was only 21, but he'd, he'd done, he'd done uh, time in the Royal Marines. Was he? Um, he looked, he so, felt like 30. Well, I mean, he was fit. He was just, yeah. he looked like an adult, oh, yeah. where I looked like a teenager. Yeah. yeah. So we so so and bearing in mind when we went to Sharp on a couple more figures when we went to Sharp Mile together, um, the average age of that course apparently was thirty six. Now bearing in mind, so bearing in mind I was nineteen, so I brought the averages down a little bit. You were had you gone twenty one or were you still twenty? Uh, yes, twenty one. Yeah, 21. so Stu was Stu was similar. So you know, so there was a. I mean, I think Terry and Bob Ta were Terry O'Connor. Yeah, they were the old boys. Yeah. Forty one, like forty four, and forty three, and a. And yeah. a, a 41, 44, and a 45 year old, I believe. John Fisher. John Fisher was the other one. Yeah, so, John Fisher. You know, all ex, ex military. So, yeah, so it was, um, so that's, that's where we've known each other for, for 30 years. Albeit yeah. you, you went to England and stayed there. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did. Devon. I, did, I know. Well, yeah, I went. I went to Plymouth and did two years of missionary work and realised that the English were a lost cause and came back to Plymouth. <laughs> so, um, and stayed the next 28 years in, uh, and did a load of different things uh, down the pointy end. Now, that pointy end, you are, I mean, because I always insist that the Police and Criminal Evidence Act didn't reach the pointy end for a good 10 what? years after everyone else. What? <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I nearly said it again. But it was so unique where because Stu Cavan went down with you, didn't he? And we used to come and meet up. He was in Penzance. Penzance wasn't he? Yeah. And he's I think he asked for Exeter and he got Penzance, right? So the really pointed end. And um, you know, and where the locals and the the, the they just police themselves and the mm. police officer was in and but but it, they'd come back. We'd go back to Sharp Mile in Dorset with a training budget. It'd be like a sandwich course. You go and do your bit, you come back. And we'd have a little bit of a, oh, what did you do? Oh, in Torquay, I got involved in a bit of a fight and this, that, and the other. And, uh, and, and then Stu Kevin said, and then what did you do? We said, well, we didn't do anything really. We stopped a few fights. And then <laughs> then we went round the, well, then we just went a couple of bars and had a pint round the bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The instructors didn't know where to look. They didn't, yeah. they were like, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. Where did you Where did you please, Anthony? I know you, uh, right. obviously, but whereabouts were you? 
Oh. Right, so I did um, a probation in uh, Charles Cross in Plymouth. Um, then I came back down to St Austell, did a couple of years there. I did a bit of time at Bodmin. Um, yeah, that's a tale in itself. Um, then um, then got to Camborne um, because, um, uh, so been at St Austell, um, got engaged um, and thought my, to, my, my wife is uh, from uh, pretty much the same area that I was from in Redruth. And so I thought, well, put a report in, because um, I had a house up around to North Way, et cetera. Put a report in, ask for a move. You know what it's like. Six, seven months time, I might actually get to where I want to be. Yeah. And the time I submitted the report, the time I started at Campbell was three weeks. <laughs> so, I've now got, so I've now got a house sort of like miles away from where I'm policing and trying to sell it and so on. So, so that's the job. I got back to Campbell. Then I went to Campbell Traffic. Then I did, back to Campbell, I did community safety, crime reduction, neighbourhood. Um, Blimey. Miss Stripe uh, went to Penzance, funnily enough. So, really did go down the end. Um, mm. So, um, uh, then ended up Campbell Custody, did Safety Sergeant, did Neighbourhood Sergeant, Custody, and uh, and again, did a bit of Patrol Sergeant before uh, I went back into custody to retire. So, yeah, I've done so. It's all but all pretty much from 1994, all West Cornwall. And wow. you're doing something. You're doing something now for uh, part time, aren't you? In the job now, what are you doing now? Yeah, I've gone back as a um, crime standards officer, so I'm doing 22 and a half hours a week, which uh, no fighting, no nights, so that's that's a bonus of any other job I've done. Um, but uh, I said to uh, Harry earlier on, that, uh, so um, I've been a traffic officer, I've been a uh, custody officer, uh, and now I'm a crime standards officer. So, like I said to Harry, there's probably not many people left in the force that doesn't hate me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so you bounce all the crimes back if they're not uh they haven't had all the inquiries done and uh well, it's it's difficult because i my role is purely to uh, make sure they meet home office counting rules yeah. so from that perspective i'm pretty much just doing you know although i'm employed by the force but basically working for the home office to make sure everything is uh complied with yeah. um but um but yeah, so it's um it's difficult because looking at the crime complaints, we said, well, that's not been done and that hasn't been done. It's because nothing to do with me anymore. It's you know it's a case of if there's certain things that we have to make sure that uh, the criming is right, there's certain um, forms and all that have been filled in to meet the requirements. But yeah. then I'm looking at stuff again now. I'm looking at this into it's a, trying to get from where I was to what I'm to doing, and that's it's been quite a difficult change of uh, for mindset. Now, I'm going to interrupt. It, it didn't mean it to just come up quite so quick, but the, it is it's even stranger than that because at one point your dad and your and your brother and you were in the police at the same time, weren't you? Oh wow! Yeah, that's um, that's dad in the middle. Um, um, I'm so as you're looking at it, I'm on the right hand side of the picture, and Philip's on the left. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> you yeah. couldn't make a diff. Even if it was HD, you couldn't tell the difference. The, the one parting was the other way round, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Did you, did you guys join in the same intake? Did you? You and your brother? No, they they split us up deliberately. Philip, um, because Philip and myself, um, uh, so end of February of ninety, we did there was there was um, two interviews, the extended interview things. So um, Philip did the first one, I did the second one. Um, but the successful candidates from those were supposed to start together, um, right. but they had a um, they had a gap on the intake prior to, so they thought rather than cause any potential confusion at uh, at training mm. school, uh, Philip started five weeks before me, which meant he did five weeks at the front end. But you when did we young, keen, and excited. But you swapped classes once, didn't you? No. Yes. Well, um, uh, Chief Superintendent Lloyd, who was the commandant, um, yeah, he had. Right. He had Philip and myself both down in his office. Now, bearing in mind, Philip was coming up to week nine, and I was only in week four. So it was a case of, what's going on here then? Um, but apparently, each course was supposed to do something for charity. And uh, the uh, commandant decided that what would be a great idea is that if Philip and myself swapped classes for the day. Oh, it was his um, idea. Yeah, it was, it was uh, uh, Mr. Lloyd's idea. Um, so it was a case of um, how long it would take for the um, instructors to notice. <laughs> Problem being is we had we had self defence on that day, um, and I don't know whether it was. But do you remember we used to run the lines, and it used to be like six six of us would stand in a line, and yes. you used to start from, and you'd have to do different techniques on each of the individuals. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and um, but of course he was 
five weeks ahead of me, I didn't have a damn clue what I was doing. <laughs> but because, because the class, because of the other guys in the class were aware of what was going on, yeah. um, each time I got to uh, whoever the PC was, I was supposed to do the manoeuvre, yeah. it was a case of they whispered in my ear as to what I had to do and took me through it. <laughs> and I kind of like just managed it. And when that instructor was actually asked at the end, he said, no, I didn't have a clue. He said, I just thought he was having a, he was having a bad day. So. Oh, right. So he didn't have, <laughs> so, yeah, so, he didn't have a clue. I mean, seriously, there is, there is no difference. There, there was absolutely, there was no difference at all. It, it was... Yeah. See, it we don't was, see it, but obviously other people do, yeah. But then you must have had so many strange conversations where people are not aware that there's two of you, especially because luckily, I mean, I think, didn't Philip, he was around, um, was he, well, no, where did he go? Did he went to All Bay for a moment, or was that you, Tall Bay? Yeah, he did, he did Tall Bay, and then, then he went to, he went he to went, Newquay. And then he went to Newquay. Then he went to Newquay, and, oh. um, and then the That's two of us quite good. That's quite we did doing traffic other. on the same day. We did, did. do traffic on the same day. Yeah, 16th of October, 1995. There you go, there's another date for you. See, freaking hell. I mean, this is, see, I, yeah, I don't do these dates. But nice, nice car. And that was a favourite car of yours, wasn't it? Ooh, yeah, we used to call it yeah. Lewis. Because it was because oh, yeah. the number plate was LWS. So that was called yeah. Lewis. And one of the, one of the, so the, the non-traffic people who are listening are probably going, this is just going to prove everything they thought about traffic officers. But <laughs> one of the traffic guys um, had a son and did actually name his son Lewis after the patrol car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's was great. It, and they did, they, go on, Dave. No, I was just going to say, was that a Sierra Sapphire? Was it the 4x4? No, that was the hatch. No, that was the, um, that was the XR 4x4. Oh, very nice. Great. Yeah, it was. 2.9 V6. And for down here, because it was slightly smaller, um, you know, we... You know, the most as far as we're, the motorway stops 100 miles east of where we are so you know, yeah. you know and and even then you know the, the a30 wasn't completely dual carriageway. so i mean there was, there down was proper driving yeah it was a proper, it was a proper track road. brilliant the, the handling on it was brilliant nice power then they gave us the uh amigas rear wheel drive three liter yeah. lots of power going through the rear wheel wait until that gets a bit slippy <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they were a bit right. Maria asked, um, I understand you'd be proud if your children decided to go into the force, but would you be afraid for their safety in these times of insanity and disrespect? I mean, my personal view, I think there's always been a certain amount of disrespect, but yes, but never so much from the people that are um, in charge of us anymore. I mean, that. I mean, politicians and stuff, <laughs> I think general public and more. But, um, but I think uh, generally, I think because the family is still so strong. I mean, what's your idea on this, Phil? Phil? Did you see what yeah, I said, Phil? Go, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not the first person to have done that. What's your thoughts, mate? Um, yeah, I, my, my, son's my son's 21. He's at Bath University doing health and exercise science. Um, never never really been that interested in, in joining the police. Mm. Um, our daughter, who's 17, um, she's at Cornwall College, uh, sorry, Troy College, doing... A, a similar sort of course, but um, sort of like pre-university course. And um, she, she kind of like talked about it when she was very young, but then didn't. So I've never really had to have that kind of concern. But yeah, if, if they did turn around now and say that they were interested in joining the police, I think, um, yeah, I'd have a very sort of like frank conversation. I mean, I've always been frank and honest with them. Um, and, and I've always been proud to be a police officer and I wouldn't change it. But I, I do... I do do look at those joining now, and yeah. the last, you know, I mean, I I, I, I back when my dad was in the job, he saw significant changes, um, but that was because you know they introduced things like radios, you know, that was, you know, that's still talking it, about it? It was up in the mat, and you know, the only thing he had was his whistle, um, <laughs> and um, you know, the, so so you know, changes with regards to technology and all has always changed, but I think when you look at and, and we've had it with force reorganizations, different paperwork, et cetera. But the, the, the continuity was always the job of being a police officer. Mm. And yeah. but I think over the last five or six years, I think we've now seen, um, you know, some significant changes with regards to what is expected of a police officer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think and I think from that perspective, there, that would be that would be a big issue for me to, to say to the kids, look. If you want to join them, crack in, you know, and I, you know, if they did join, I, I couldn't be more proud. Um, 
they need to know that um, it, it is it is difficult these days, and, I, and I'm not sure whether some police officers actually are fully aware of, of what's expected because things change so much so quickly now. Yeah, and uh, it's you know I, I I had a discussion here just recently, um, and uh, when when we joined, um, it was a case of you went to a job and you dealt with it as a police officer. Yeah. Um, and the fact of the matter was, is a crime being committed? Can I feel someone's collar? You know, and that's, you know, it was a case of, you know, am I going to nick somebody here? Mm. But I think now police officers are turning up. And because of this issue with regards to vulnerabilities, um, it's um, yeah. that they're turning up first. And I, and I don't think their role is as defined as it was. No, you're absolutely right. It's you are so right. difficult for them. And, and I do. I, I, I I'm I'm glad I retired when I did, because things you know it's and it is difficult. I mean, it's obviously still in, and I know I'm still a member of the staff, but it, it is difficult to be frank and, and open and honest on occasions um, when you're towing the party line, if you like. But yeah. you know, this idea you're of, right. We used to protect the vulnerable because if someone was a victim of crime, we went there and we dealt with the offender as the police. Yeah, I think now with regards to this drive with vulnerability, police officers are turning up first and looking and, and almost there are occasions when they look first at the offender as a vulnerable person. And therefore, that's yeah. what priority as opposed that's to it. Less the victim can be lost start, if you're not lucky. Yeah, start, start securing evidence, start doing what we need to do. And then when they're in custody or whatever, if then referrals need to be made and if we need to support this individual and their vulnerabilities, then so be it. And I think this sometimes the confusion when vulnerability takes priority over us doing our job, yeah. and it, then it can be confusing for these people. And, and you know, the, the, the people that are starting today are in a... <laughs> doing a very difficult job in very difficult times and sometimes haven't perhaps got oh yeah and, and a lot but they're, they're joining the unknown dave what's what, what would you um recommend it at the moment no i mean obviously i've got three daughters and um you can't get away from the fact mm. in this house that the, their parents are police officers and you know even if you yeah. they can't get rid of rid of you Yes, exactly. Even if you tried, there's two police dogs. Even the dog is. Exactly. <laughs> two, two police dogs in the back garden and one on the sofa. So, uh, another failed police dog sat on the sofa. So, Oh, don't say quieter. Quieter. Jeez. Yeah. So you can't get away from it. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Anthony. It's, it, is, it is difficult and becoming even more difficult all the time. And I think... Maybe if I wanted to, them to get some life skills, skills, I'd say join up, but I'd be saying join up for a few years. See, I see when so, I yeah. started, and I'm sure when you two started, it was you went, you applied because you wanted a job for 30 years. I don't think that's the case anymore. Not now. No, I know that's when, gone. I, I, girl to do it for 30 years. I know how it's, it's, yeah. I've been in for 18 and I know how it's affected me. So. <laughs> well, technically, you'd have to stay until 40 years as well. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. But, um, so Anthony, that question. And to see to see the different side to society, then yeah. maybe, but no. Oh, it would certainly grow you up, wouldn't it, if you were a youngster? <laughs> grow you up. Yeah. Um, I remember a certain thing like this, Anthony, when twin police officers apprehending a drunk driver, he, you know, they say, can you imagine if that happened? <laughs> Didn't something happen where, if I remember is there, right? Is there a statutory limit for disciplinary action? <laughs> exactly. Well, look, we could say this. Look, I'm just for the interest of the public. Everything you hear now may have been completely made up. All right. So <laughs> the names have been changed to protect those identities. <laughs> I was, I was the, um, I was the night duty skipper down at, uh, 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 in a particular uh, town, and um, good face. Philip was the um, night duty traffic sergeant, and we had reports of a uh, a gentleman who was inebriated in the early hours of the morning, um, who was causing all kinds of problems in this uh, in this village. So I went down there and thought, well, the chances are he's going to come in for D and D. Albeit, we decided that we could perhaps do it 
slightly differently and perhaps a form of community resolution would be more appropriate. So I, know, I stood at the end of the road and, he, and I turned around to this bloke and I said, right, where'd you live? So he said, really? So I said, right, giving you one chance, go home. Oh, all right, he said. Now me, you know, I, I was still wearing the um, fluorescent yellow jacket as, as I did. And obviously Philip being trapped on, he was wearing the normal traffic gear as well. So um, I know he was about 100 yards down the road. So this bloke turns, this bloke uh, ends up approaching Philip, to which he said, what are you doing? So I'm going home. <laughs> Why, yeah, I, yeah, I told you to go, why are you coming this way? Well, you told me to go out. I, yeah, on your way. Turned around and sent him back up. 100 yards up the road, he comes to me again. <laughs> so, so anyway. <laughs> I think he bounced this bloke up and down the road about three or four times. <laughs> realised realised that uh, community resolution had been um, suitably performed, and um, he went home with with he. So we had no arrest, and uh, he, he managed to go home for the night. Suitably and he still. Oh, and that, poor bloke, that poor bloke so, never touched alcohol ever again. Well, so you know, hope, hopefully there was some kind of uh, community impact there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it saved him getting uh, nicked and saying meant you could stay on the streets as well. That's good old police officership. Good old policing. And uh, oh, you've got to take advantage of it sometimes, like and you blimey. I, I have got a, a bone to pick with you though, because you were a bit of a you were a bit of a SWAT at college, weren't you? At police college. And I tell you what, this came it came from your father, this I think, wasn't it? Because you were uh, your standards were um extremely high. And you got this award, wouldn't it? Remind us what this award is. The Hamilton Bobby for the smartest recruit. Smart and let in contrast, when I was on parade. They said, Tangi, decision time. I went, yes, sir. He goes, which crease are you going to follow? <laughs> you, can see, you can see Anthony's creases on the front of his trousers there. They look, they are. They are. You, 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 yeah, you'd cut your fingers on them. Yeah, you could, definitely. Yeah, yeah, he's worked hard on that. So, yeah. Good to see, buddy. No. Bearing in mind, dad was police motorcyclist for most of his service. Um, and he used to have all toe caps on his motorcycle boot. So if he could do that, then, you know, it's standards. And it, but do you think that that's missing a little bit now? Do you think those standards, I mean, they were sort of leaving. Remember when we did our training, for three, it, it'd gone from the desks facing the front to a circle of seats. And we thought that was real beanbaggy. Oh, my God, oh, you know, yeah. we're going to have a little class discussion. And we thought that was like, you know, what we, we were used to whiteboard classroom stuff before. Um, and I think, you know, we've noticed, and I'd be interested with you in, because um, you've seen a few people go through with your custody. I wanted to ask about your custody soon as well. But do you think those those sort of standards are so important to maintain every all the other standards with it? Because otherwise, mm. if that's sloppy, then everything else comes sloppy, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I've known some really good police officers who, you know, you, you, look like they sort of like slept in their uniform before they come on. Uh, on great yeah. but um it's I, I i think we have gone perhaps slightly too far i mean the, the uniform of today the dog handlers aside lender. yeah yeah oh, well, <laughs> 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 but i think i think the uniform of today doesn't actually lend itself you know white shirt no, eyes you know true. i mean those trousers that we used to have were like sackcloth but damn did they take a good crease you know they were yeah and they were fireproof those trousers that we had initially were flipping fireproof trousers. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were. So, so I think today, the, the, the uniform of today doesn't lend itself to perhaps as what we would as being smart. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I remember when um, I used to have a quick release um, handcuff pouch. Yeah, and, so did I. I loved them. And because because I'm rather rather short of leg, um, the, the truncheon used to uh, bounce at the back of my knee. So yeah. I used to take the, the, the leather strap and I used to hook it on the um, uh, the quick release strap on my handcuff pouch, which meant that it just sort of like kept it up that extra inch. The right. and, and my um, one of the skippers on my section um, gave me a bollocking because it looked aggressive that he could see the leather strap of my truncheon. Oh, yeah. Well, when you think about it now and you look at how officers are with um, harvest spray and quick cuts yeah. and patterns, 
you know, the, 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 the um, stab of vast exception. Um, I'm sure you'd have many perspectives now. If you, <laughs> yeah. If you thought that the, the strap showing was looked aggressive, that it would. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. On a on a, on a, a, a white shirt with no body armor, wouldn't it? Which yeah. is incredible when you think about it. Yeah. I remember going to Argyle for a football duty and standing up in, um, uh, I think it was just at the end of the Mayfair stand. Um, we were stood there with you know, normal helmet, white shirt, because it was um, beginning of the season, I think it was, so it was, it was a nice summer's day. Coats were stowed around the back, and, you know, we no body armour, certainly no, there was no shields available or no. etc. It was, we, we were stood up there and uh, completely different days, but... Uh, yeah, no witnesses either. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> can. No, it <laughs> wasn't uncommon to see some PCs going to football duty, and as they're walking up uh, towards the ground, so I like taking them off and sticking them in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, never, never happened. Never happened. Have you referred to German Shepherd hair, Dave? As uh, German Shepherd glitter? It's not hair on your uniform. Yeah, yeah it's got all yeah. sorts of names. Yeah, I mean, bizarrely for our uniform, they give us they give us a lovely fleece, but it's um. It's it's like felt, so it att it attracts all the uh, the dog hair. That's my mm. excuse, anyway. Oh, we... <clears throat> yeah, no, no, mate. I mean, and to be honest, I'm astounded that you look as you do when you when you've been dragged through a bush, crossed a river, and uh, you know, <laughs> and that is unbelievable, um, incredible. But Sue, why she made she says a very good point here. Nurses have gone the same way. I mean, not she's not saying everyone is, of course, but. Um, certain ones were coming in, and I remember um, there was a police officer in Plymouth, and he was a perfectly decent guy. But I would say I'm not having that hair. He had like a badger hair. It was like a, it was like a Hawkeye badger, black sides, white. Tie. And I said that's ridiculous. And he went, "You can't touch him. Don't. He's been through the system. You cannot ask." Him. I said, "I would not want him walking up to my burglary, saying I've come to deal with your burglary. There's no way." And now I'm thinking I'm too old-fashioned for this, aren't I? This is ridiculous. Yeah. But she's so saying, you know, same as in nursing to a certain extent. But any, I think any services, really. Someone else was telling me something else about nursing. They'd been in for a long time. This was a while back. They were telling me that when they first joined, obviously you had to keep records and whatever at the end of the bed and whatnot. But um, it was much more about care. Whereas nowadays, it's much more about record keeping. Yeah. Something that they've struggled with modern nursing and, and we all know there's accountability and it's the same for us but yeah they, they said that they were shocked now that i mean they were coming up for their retirement how when when they first joined it was 90 percent care and 10 percent record keeping whereas it's much more like 70 percent record keeping and 30 percent care which sounds mm. a bit scary really. oh it's just so sad because it's human beings are missing out and yes yeah. you need to it needs to be audited to a certain extent but um, paperwork's only when it's got rid of, it's replaced by something else. I've seen the wheel turn many a time. We used to have advice files. Remember those in our force? I don't know yeah. if they were national. Yeah. Advice, advice files was a couple of pages and that was it. And then because something went wrong every 10,000 files, they just said, well, and then you'd have one boss of a criminal justice unit saying, right, we're not going to accept your file unless it's got this form in. And then somebody would say, well, I'm not going to accept it unless it's got that form in. And that checks. And so you had 12 check forms that you'd done. Ding, ding, ding. And then suddenly your advice file was getting bigger than your full file. And it, it, the wheel goes round. Claire Thomas. Um, thank you, Hazel Milnes. Uh, yeah, I think we can all congratulate Claire Thomas for her 25th anniversary next week in the Met. So yeah, well she deserves the congratulations for that one. Good on you. Come on, you can do it. She can do it. You can get over that post. You've only got another 15 years left now. Yeah, yeah well, I think the same thing, yeah. That was, you know, the 25th for us was a big deal. But nowadays, it's a case of, yeah, you're just over halfway there, aren't you? Yeah. Tell, tell me about custody. We've got to know about custody, Dave, because you and I have not heard custody. We tend to drop and run. I usually drop a prisoner, apologise profusely to the custody sergeant, and then leave. Um, I only fell out with one in a big way. Um, but I would say they've got probably one of the most um, exposed jobs in in the job because of the amount of mental health and very violent people you have going through your doors, isn't it? Mm. Is there anything you can say on that? And how long did you do custody for there? Was it for a while? Or 
I did three stints in custody, and I did uh, eleven years eventually as custody sergeant. Um, which was which was strange because when I got on traffic, as far as I was concerned, that was next twenty five years I was going to spend on traffic. But then um, yeah. you know I did something stupid, came off because I got yeah. qualified to be a sergeant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seemed like a good idea. Yes. Yeah, that's um, it. See. Yeah. But, but yeah. Um, but so um, yeah, if anybody told me that I was going to do. Uh, you know, a third of my service as a custody sergeant, I would say that, that would never happen, but it did. I mean, when I, I mean, having been a traffic officer, um, some, so dealing with fatal road traffic collisions and, of course, going back 25 years, we didn't have um, family liaison officers and, and so on. It no. was because you did everything. Um, yeah. So I would probably say that some of the, the you know, the pressures and stresses um, of, of doing that is significant, but over a longer drawn out period. Some of the most right. um, concentrated periods of stress has been as a uh, as a custody sergeant, when you got people trying to kill themselves in the cell. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and I, I did hear somebody say once, and I don't quite think I ever got to that point. But um, I, I know one person made comment of the fact that um, the, the next prisoner coming in through the door could, could be what lands you in prison, and yeah. and especially with what was going on at the time um, up at Exeter. Um, with, um, with with the investigation up there, and you know, all my own personal views as perhaps how the, um, the, the the staff were actually perhaps treated. But um, yeah. you know, so being a custody sergeant at that particular time in Devon and Cornwall was was difficult. Um, but um, the, the the advantages were for me is for being a custody sergeant. Um, being the age that I was coming to the end of my service. I was never more than 10 feet away from the toilet. Um, yeah. Never got, never got wet. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so blowing a gale and, and, and tipping down around rain outside. Um, you know, that, that you know, I'd, so I'd done my time, you know, stood at the side of the road getting soaking wet, etc. So Quite you know, smelly though, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think after a while, um, you, you kind of get nose blind to it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, there are, there are certain times when you can walk in at the beginning of your tour of duty and, uh, and, and sniff the air and realise that, you know, you, you get to actually tell certain individuals after a while. By <laughs> you can identify and them. You, you, yeah, I know a couple of times I've turned around and said, oh, so-and-so's in again tonight, is it? Yeah, he's down in cell three. Yeah, funny. <laughs> um, I mean, it takes um, a certain, certain character, doesn't it? I, I went into custody... Um, I don't know, probably about a month ago. And that was the first time I'd been in custody for years. And I only went because they were short of police officers and this bloke was was kicking off and they and we'd been there for the original arrest and they said, Oh, do you mind coming to custody because he's he could be a bit of a so and so. And the custody sergeant there was absolutely brilliant. I don't wanna I, I don't wanna sort of say that he mm. uh, I don't know, he was a cross between Basil Forty in, in Forty Towers. Yeah. And you need someone like that. So you had that that sarcasm <clears throat> put him in his place when it was needed, but he also had this really caring <laughs> side as well. You know, this real caring side that could shut this bloke down in an instant, and it was just it was incredible to watch. And he got everything he needed from the the prisoner and made sure that his welfare was was top priority. But this prisoner was left under no illusion that. Yeah. You know, this guy was in charge. It was just amazing. I never really enjoyed custody. I quite enjoyed doing the interviewing and stuff, but I never really enjoyed being custody. But it was quite something to watch him. There's got to be there a certain a, character to do that job. Yeah, and I think after um, after a while, I mean, I went back out um, as a uh, patrol sergeant uh, for a short time, um, <clears throat> a few years before I retired, and um, yeah. I, I, I did 12 months out on the, uh, back out on section and um, they were looking for custody sergeants and it looked like someone was going to have to be picked out of a, well, not out of a hat, but whoever was, who met the criteria was going to be put in there. And, and you know, it's not for everybody. And for those that end up being put in there that don't enjoy it, it can, it can be a very difficult, uh, very difficult posting call. Um, but I, I walked into the inspector and I said, um, you know, I don't recognise this job. You know, I've been in custody for five and a half years, came back out, and suddenly, as I was talking earlier on about all the changes, etc., because I didn't have that long ago before, I said, you know, old dog new tricks, excuse the pun. Um, but yeah. um, you know, I, I just said to him, I said, I know you're looking for someone to go back into custody, put me back in. And he just went, what? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, 
I kind of know what I'm doing in there. Um, yeah. I've come out, you know, for you know, different experience. I've gained that, and I now realise that um, you know, with, with with the changes that have occurred, um, I, it's not right for me being out on the streets. And if they're, you know, why take someone off the streets who's happy with what they're doing and yeah. doing a good? Why take them off and put them into custody when I'm putting my hands up and say, stick me back in? Um, so. The inspector turned around and said, yeah, fine, thanks very much, and, and, and in I went. So, yeah, there is a, whereas years ago it used to be, you know, whoever the skipper's on, uh, well, you know, put them in custody for 18 months, do the, uh, do it, because it was a quite a quick turnaround. Not many people stayed more than, um, uh, not didn't stay more than about 18 months, two years. But now um, it is, and it, and it is recognised more as a specialised role now, I think. Yeah, it has to be. There's a question, there's a few questions really is, is do you find that people are a little bit more, they, the trouble is I always say that um, a, little, a little knowledge is dangerous and they come in thinking they know all the law and that's what's getting them into trouble and they're getting arrested. You can't push me, you can't move me. Mm -hmm. are, are, there, are those more or do you think that's not the case so much? And then the other question really is, what do you enjoy about custody? First of all, the enjoyment part was um, it's one of those few roles that I found, um, again, having done the time back out on patrol, um, that it was actually me making the decisions. So, you know, based on the risk assessments, based on, you know, taking taking all the aspects, you know, lawful arrest, uh, so the law, um, uh, the, the risk assessments, welfare, the welfare of the individual, all these sort of things. Um, and that was down to me to make those decisions. And, and I had to stand by those decisions because everything that I did was written down and recorded. So I couldn't go back afterwards going, well, no, that's not quite what I meant. It's <laughs> yeah. black and white. That's what you did. Yeah. Whereas I, I found a lot of times now um, for, for patrol officers, particularly, they're, they're so restricted. Whereas, you know, when we joined, we were able to use our discretion. If you turned up for a job and you thought, right, this is the best way to deal with it. I don't perhaps need to put pen to paper. I can deal with this appropriately for the benefit of everybody and still walk away and feel, no, actually, that was the right decision. Whereas now it's a case of if you go to this, you know, and again, in the job I'm doing now with Home Office County, you, know, you go to a job, you know, you've got to come away with either a crime or a, 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 a operational command control log to say that it's been what particular incident it's been or, or an inquiry recorded. So that one of those three generally needs to be recorded of some description um, for, for um, to, to look back on it later on to see to make sure that everything's been complied with. Whereas, of course, we didn't we didn't have that. So, so you know, officers are now. It, it's to a certain degree. Um, I find that um, they're restricted as to what they can do because they've got to do it by the numbers. And there's of course some decision making, obviously in and amongst all of that, of course, but not like it was it wasn't joined. So, from that perspective, so the the, the short answer at the end of a very long one is basically that. I was able to make decisions and was quite happy to stand by those decisions and and, and be judged mm. by them thereafter. Yeah. So, but which know. yeah yeah which which could have been in a court, couldn't it? Yeah. Because and oh, ultimately, yeah. I, th I think generally, I think people don't quite realise that when they're they're saying, "Oh yes, but somebody died in custody. That's terrible, terrible." Yes, it's terrible, terrible, but. We are dealing with society's most violent and mentally ill people there are when yeah. everyone else has given up on them. Yeah. And so the chances are, if you put enough of those through a system, one or two of them will, you know, it's not if, unfortunately, it's when one or two of them who have attempted suicide and, and whatever and wasn't picked up because of... And I know courts don't tend to think of, well, you were busy elsewhere. That's not an excuse, you know. Well, I think, you know, and, and it's I sometimes I think if people could see the sort of individuals that do get brought into custody, they wouldn't believe it. No, they really, they literally think, want to rip your head off your shoulders. <laughs> I think when it, when it comes to that, no, I was just going to say, and you're absolutely right, Harry, and, and Tony would, uh, Anthony, sorry, <gasps> called him Tony, Anthony would have seen it. Uh, <laughs> it, it everybody has given up on them. The, the health service can't cope with yeah. them, and their families can no longer cope with them. And probation. Their children, yeah. nobody can cope with them, and they find themselves in one of our cells. 
I think how one of the deal, how do you deal with that, Anthony? I mean, you know, you know the ones I'm talking. They're the ones that are banging on the door for the 16 yeah. hours that they're in the cell, bashing their head. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I a phrase that I heard um, a few years back, which I thought was was very relevant, is that the police are the service of last resort. Yeah. So when when you know two three o'clock in the morning when they can get hold of no one, um, you know they call us, um, whether it be families of uh, vulnerable people or the vulnerable people themselves. Um, but I, I think, and again, it comes back to the way that I used to deal with things. Um, you know, as a forty-eight-year-old custody sergeant with ten years' experience, it was very different from what I did when I was a thirty-four-year-old custody sergeant. Um, having only just started. Um, mm. uh, and, and this is why I think it's really important with, with custody, that as with any role in the job, um, but it, it, it needs, you know, round pegs for round holes. Um, and so to actually deal with people, to try and actually get onto, uh, trying to get onto a level with someone to actually talk to them so that could, there are, there are people that are coming on a regular basis and they know that as soon as the nasty, horrible Bobby who's dragged them off the streets, etc., and dumped them into custody, we're the ones that give them a cup of tea, you know, we ask yeah, them how yeah. sugars they want, you know, we're the ones that are giving them the, uh, the, the food and what, what have you, and making sure that their rights are complied with. We're the ones that are getting the uh, mental health practitioners to come and speak to them, getting them medical assistance if necessary. So, so there are so from that perspective, there are some experiences that people will have that will turn around and say, oh, they're freaking horrible, that individual, they're nasty, horrible, etc. But as soon as the officers presented the prisoner and gone out the door, those people can change. So simply because they are manipulative, yeah, particularly unpleasant individuals that know how to play the system. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's always there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be the unknown. And, and as we discussed yeah. earlier on, you know, there's always going to be that individual <laughs> That is potentially going to be what's going to land um, police officer, you know, gripping a rail in front of the judge, um, which is, but uh, unfortunately, that's, that's the nature of the job. Um, but as, yeah. as long as you know, we can actually show that we have yeah. done everything we possibly can to support them, then and this that's is it. It's, it's there for the grace of God. Go we. Um, mm. I thought it's the only reason I didn't end up being um, suspended, investigated. Um, being in an inquest, it was pure luck that stopped me being yeah, a huge target of the IOPC who, because they would just be seeing themselves doing their job and, uh, you know, certainly things dragged along and that's the bit that brings officers down and uh, even when they're completely exonerated at the end, but and that was luck, that was totally luck. But yeah. Going on a slightly happier side, do you remember our Flint house? <laughs> yeah. Have we, because there was, at 30 years, Dave, everyone was, all our lot, if they hadn't retired, retired they um, they were now, and there was only three left. There was, no, there was, out of the 16, yeah. out of the 16 of us, there was only, come the end, there was only the three, the, the three of us Long. left out of the 16. Because uh, all the others, were ex as we said about earlier really on, about the age, a lot of them have been ex-military and had uh, retired earlier because well, they were camping across and so on. So, so here's a, here's the thing, Dave. Right, I I had an injury on my leg and I should have I should have coughed it a bit earlier because I was it just wasn't getting better. And um, I was going to a first aid refresher course and tripped over a van door. <laughs> that, they took this a man with a gun. Right? I was holding it with a gun. Well, right. well, you can. I'll tell you, you can because. I was holding a Costa coffee and a coat and somebody opened the van door for me. And it was one of these modern hire vans where the step comes out and, yoink, and I didn't see that because I've covered it. So I trip over it and now I'm landing on and I, I save at least three quarters of the coffee. The quarter then goes over this brand new van, which pretty much covered every inch of it as well, I have to admit. And, uh, and again, I think and you, you think you're gonna, I'm going to I'm going to rub this one off. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. And oh, I was hobbling and I was I, I didn't, not a day off sick, I tell you, I think about wow. three days, well, no, I think I genuinely probably had about 10 days off sick in 30 years, but, so I was determined not to, but, um, so I thought, do you know what, I might go in for Flint House, you know, the um, convalescent home, to see, because uh -huh. I've heard lots, good. Well, they fixed me in two weeks, I but promise you, you that. You paid for it for 30 years and I only went and you're Well, if I'm honest, I paid for it for 10 years, 
I had babies, uh, twins, all right, and my oh, wife's good. and my you're very well to have twins, Harry. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was ten minutes wasted. You got but your, there got we your are. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, she had something to do with it. And um and uh, she said, Look, not being funny, Harry, but even if your legs are broken, you can stay in a, a wheelchair and babysit the kids. So there's no way I was gonna go off to Flint House for two weeks. There's not a chance. So I stopped paying and that added up. And then the final 10 years, I started paying because I thought, oh, I'm getting a bit older now. And final 10 years, and the, the final end, I did that. And I met two guys there, right? And these two guys were these, right? <laughs> and there, here is somebody you might recognize who we're talking to tonight. There's Stuart Cavin, who um, he was always, uh, so he was, on our, uh, the other one left, by pure coincidence, I promise you we didn't arrange yeah. this. Did we, mate? It was well, just you, uh, you and I went up. This is end of this is an end of career. End of service. Pissed up. Yeah. I know it sounds dodgy. <laughs> no, it does sound dodgy. Glasses but, are on that table. But we the, we went up the there. Photographer the, drunk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the first the first week is you were you were in the lounge when I turned up and I yeah. looked through and, and we hadn't seen each other for a while by that stage. No. And I thought. And Leave you it. About, you saw so him, and you were going to walk out, and you thought, oh. and, 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 and he just grabbed me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I turned around to you then. I turned around and said, "Tonight, I said, uh, um, would it be strange if uh, if Stu Cavan was up here as well? If anyone, there's only the three of us left." And uh, anyway, so we went through the first week. Um, I stayed up over the weekend, so early doors on the Monday of the second week. I was in the gym. I was on the flipping exercise bike. And the yeah. flipping door open and it walks through a cabin. So it was a case of, yeah, you couldn't write it. So, yeah, so the, the only three of us left of the intake for the DNC, and the three of us uh, with sort of like, what was it about, was it just over two months left to go? Yeah. And the, uh, the three of us were up That's right. That's right. together. And that, how lucky was this? That was just before COVID as well. We were yes, pretty we were. much the last ones before COVID. I've got to show you one thing. With this, you'll see this orange shirt I've got. All right. I've seen it before. Right, I wore that. I wore that at my assessment week, three days for joining the Devon and Cornwall Police 30, 30 years ago. Oh. <laughs> Your tasting shirt wasn't on the tick box for getting into the police. <laughs> no, 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 it was almost a 70s. Mate, that's what? gone and come back in fashion. That's Quicksilver. I'll tell you what, it hasn't worn These a bit. always come back in fashion. I'm not sure I could wear anything from when I started 18 years ago. I don't think it's... Oh, uh, well, like I, I, I got nothing. Uh, it's a lifetime of having no stress. That's what I've it is. I've got a pair of shoes that I still wear. Yeah, yeah. A pair of shoes I bought when I was 16 that still fit. But that's that's not quite the same impact, is it? No. Um, the, see, the, people always... Orange, like his shirt. <laughs> People are always very sweet. Thank you for your lives every day. I, I, you know, I have far more admiration for um, paramedics and people such as that because they genuinely save lives and uh, a lifeboat, lifeguard, life, 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 lifeboat guys and all that, guys and girls. Um, I, to be honest, if I'm really honest with you, I drove a fast car and shot guns for thirty years, pretty much, and I had a hell of a time. Um, and yeah, we, we, I stuck a few guns up some nostrils of some really nasty, horrible, bad people, but. I was the one hiding behind the big gun. It was the other poor sods on response who who had far less protection than I did. So it's it's very kind of you, but um, I can't claim that. And otherwise, then I always made sure on my section there was a very big guy, and I'd use him as ballistic <laughs> cover. All right, and so I'm six foot one inch. They were they were all like you know six foot three inches brick house, and I used to always I always used to my my. Mike Bassett, thank you very much. Mike Bassett, good man. Good mm. ballist, ballistic cover. Always have one of them with you. Uh, to hide behind when things get dangerous. I did my standard car course with Mike Bassett. Did you? We joined, we joined traffic at the same time. So oh. um, we, did, we did car course together. That's when you didn't get a standard car course until you either went on to traffic or incident car. So yeah. um, so Mike, Mike Phillip and myself joined... Um, in traffic together and we did our um, he was my section he's one of these police officers he he wasn't the most productive but <laughs> when he did a job he did it bloody well and mm. it was like you know on those monday mornings sunday mornings didn't matter what morning was when you're in the police on a 
early turn and it's winter mm. and it's like February and it's rubbish and you need every section needs a mic to walk in and this ray of sunshine and I would have had him in my section if he did nothing he did a lot mind you but yeah. I would have had him because he just lifted the whole section it was yeah. phenomenal when I, when, I was on when I was in custody on days like that when it was blowing a gale cold we just used to close the window <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you are so mean but i love this but i will show this one last of all uh anthony um this one here uh so this tell us how this came about so that's um so the picture i showed you showed earlier with um with lewis um yes. gav barnes who was uh custody sergeant on uh, on the same section as me at campbell um he made because he's ex-traffic from thames valley um, yeah. So he used, to, he used to take the mick about the fact that all he used to do was go from junction 15 to junction 30, go around the roundabout, go down to junction 30 and 15 and ping pong. Um, yes. we, we, were, we were proper drivers, which, um, yeah. Um, That's but true. Um, yeah, you can imagine some of the reaction we got on that. But uh, but yeah, so Gav, great bloke, um, get on really well with him. And um, he made up some pop and bull story about the fact that he was doing something and was interested in old police cars and such like that. And did I have any pictures? Yeah. So I sent him. Uh, Sent him a couple, and um, what he did was he blew it up onto a canvas, and um, uh, from a retirement, and as you probably see over my uh, corner, it's yeah. uh, up on the wall in my office. So uh, yeah, so he had it blown up, and that was uh, that was one of the retirement gifts that uh, that I got when I uh, left the job because the uh, time dates and all well, the dates of my retirement and joining are all uh, shown on the bottom. So yeah, it was great. It's lovely, it's lovely, isn't it? But you know your wife isn't going to accept it in the lounge. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a few things need to put up in uh, up in here at the moment. She did, yeah. Have you, got, she... have you not got bits of um, Lewis as well? Like it's rear wing and <laughs> number plate. Because some people got number plates, didn't they? This is how anal people were. <laughs> when cars got... Are you trying to say that people, are you trying to say that people who got bits of old patrol cars might be a little bit anal? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Funnily enough, um, yeah, I've got the, uh, you know, the uh, the little key tags, the the, the um, yeah, yeah, that used to be on the key fob. Just yeah. go on the board, so everyone listening, you there's well, little hooks with your, you know, your call sign. You go and get your car that you want. You always had your favourite yeah. cars, didn't you? So the, yeah. car, the cars, the car, the car keys as well. You used to have the little metal plate on it with the yeah. number stamp. Yeah, I know. Yeah. When when I joined the job, um, joined traffic. Uh, different uh, different officers were allocated a specific vehicle, but you're on different sections. So that was if you you were on that was the vehicle you took out, and yeah. you had to look after it. You kept it clean and you washed it. So funnily enough, Philip and myself both got um, allocated Lewis because he was on a different section, and uh, one a bit until a short time after Lewis went, and I turned around and said I, I actually kept the key fob, the uh, one with the uh, number yeah. on it. And he said. Or well, funnily enough, he said I took the uh, magnetic plate that we used to put up on the board to show you. <laughs> this is our Yeah, because you go through so many jobs with these cars. They do become part mm. of you. And, and each one is very, just acts slightly different. You know, mm. they, it does feel a bit different. That one's definitely a bit more, more worn in. It's, you know, it, it's mm. um, that one's a sluggish thing and whatever. But that one never got fixed. You'd always send it down saying there's a problem with the gearbox. and It never got fixed. It was all these things. But, but then I was at Coldrose and I was at a briefing and they were saying, yeah, um, we've got Merlin number or the Seeking, whatever it was the briefing was. Uh, you've got a bit of an oil leak there. So someone could take it up and give it a shake about. And uh, I was like, what? Then they go, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they put... The engineers say yeah, it's perfectly safe to do so, but they put this wadding where the oil might be coming so they can find it. And, and I was thinking, hang on, they're going around the fleet of helicopters like we do our cars. Yeah. I said, yeah, that one's got a bit of a knock on the rear end. Can you have do a look at that? Tornado pilots are the same. Do you think tornado pilots are like... Oh, yeah, well, Tim Davies. <laughs> well, uh, obviously we had Mandy Hickson, who is far more attractive than Anthony. And um, we have got... We've no, got no, but I agree, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've got Tim Davies we've got to bring sometime as well because he was an instructor. But he does a lot uh, with mental health on that side of things as well. And he's he's just absolutely phenomenally crazy. So we've got to get him on as well. But, mate, we have had... We have, look, five past five. We're over time. I'm going to have to show you one more time. Otherwise, people... Please. Oh, you're so sorry. You just want to wrap up with him, really. Yeah. Uh, so... 
Anthony, you've been an absolute star. Thank you no, so great. much. You, and we've had some amazing questions and comments. Sorry we couldn't ask, um, get any more and things like that. Another brilliant chat. Thank you. Highlight of the week. That's lovely. I think sometimes I said to Dave, Anthony, you know, this is my sort of chill out time. Ask oh, Dave time. That's good. And Dave says, you know, and, uh, we, we need this thing. And it's lovely having these comments and, and questions um, and very little abuse, actually. <laughs> so, uh, so, but that, that is it. And thank you so much indeed, everyone. And I think we'll have to call it a day, really. I think we will. So thank you very much. Wave everybody through the square window. <laughs> yeah.